Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited you came across this message. The sermon you're about to listen to is from our series, Awaken. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open it or your app to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to be there in just a few minutes, but we are now, as the, we record this tonight, 20 days, if you're watching online, 23 days on Sunday into 2022. And I don't know how your year's gone so far. Mine's gone pretty well a few weeks in. But three weeks in now, we are every single day inching further and further away from that passion and that pursuit of all those pesky New Year's resolutions you put all over Facebook on January 1st. I made the mistake of doing that one time, and never again will I do that. Because then everyone's asking you, like, accountability. How's that going? And you're like, I ditched that, like, three weeks in. New Year's resolutions, right? I don't know if you make those. Again, I'm a big fan of goals and and resolutions and and all over the country, all over the world, people make these New Year's resolutions. I'm going to be different in 2022. Things are going to change. I'm going to make these things happen in my life. And then slowly but surely, the stats tell us 6% of New Year's resolutions actually come to fruition. 6%. Why is that? I I want to to show you tonight the problem, I think, is there is a desire for action. There's a desire for something to change, but there's not the the habits and the practice to actually make that change possible. The number one selling book last year on all platforms, you've probably heard of it. I read it. It's a great book. The number one selling book, no, it wasn't the Bible. The number one selling book in all the land last year was a book called Atomic Habits by a guy named James Clear. It's a great book. Great book just about practices and habits in your life. But there's a phrase that I've seen floating around all over social media. You might have too. It's, it's kind of viral right now, this phrase. Here's what this guy James Clear said. He said this, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. What does that mean? I can have all the aspiration in the world, but if I don't have the habits to back it up, that's what I'm falling to. I want to, I think Mr. Clear would be okay with this. I want to, I want to change this for our time together this weekend. I want to say this, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your practices. Resolutions fail, not because we don't have passion for them. They fail because we don't have the practice in our lives to see them out. Why do I bring that up this weekend? I bring that up, as Pastor Edward said, we are in a month of this series, Awaken. Pastor Edward did a great job last week of of kicking off this idea of let's make 2022 different. God, awaken our hearts, awaken our minds. And and, and to do that, would you allow us to have the right posture? And what's that posture? Go back and listen to an amazing sermon, the posture. How is 2022 going to be different when we have the posture as a church to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? 
So last week, Pastor Edward talked about our approach to do it. How do we do that? We have to have the right posture. And if that was last week, this week, I want to talk about the right practice. How do we make those things actually happen? Seeking first the kingdom of God. How do we put it into practice as a church family? So the question I have on the table today, what is one regular practice that could truly change our lives in 2022 and beyond? And I know that sounds really epic, but I'm serious. As we get into this this weekend, I believe and I've been praying and I've seen it in my own life. There is a regular practice that you and I can put into our lives that actually could change it. Not on the go viral, make a video, change your life, like really on the ground, change your life. One, practice. You say, okay, what, what all this talk of practice? What is a practice? That's probably a good term to define. A practice is simply a discipline, something you do, a, a habit. There's an old school theologian that not, that's now in heaven. His name's Dallas Willard. He wrote a great book on practice of habits. If you, um, you want to check that out, Dallas Willard's Celebration of Disciplines. He said this about disciplines or practice. A discipline or a practice is an activity within our power. That's important. Something we can do. Which brings us to a point where we can do what we at present cannot do. That gets a little confusing. What's he saying? You can do something right now that as that progresses, you can get to a place where you're currently not by this practice. It's this idea of progress. There's a phrase that honestly is wrong that we've all heard. The phrase is this, practice makes, that's wrong. Otherwise, every single Major League Baseball player would be batting a 1,000. The Dallas Cowboys would be in the playoffs right now. <laughs> they practice. It didn't make perfect on Sunday. We got to move on. I'm bitter. <laughs> practice doesn't make perfect. Here's what I want to submit to you today. Practice makes progress. Practice makes progress. That's the Christian life. I love this. The, 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 the biblical term, the, the theological term is progressive sanctification. What does that mean? Jesus isn't a magic pill. Jesus isn't a quick fix. Jesus is a journey. Following Jesus is a journey. One step at a time. It's a practice towards progress. Another way to say it before we jump into the text today. You don't passively find what you don't actively pursue. Jesus changed my life. And I'm just going to sit here and probably fall asleep. How do I actively pursue God? I want to put practices in my life. That's what we are talking about this weekend. Let's have a posture of seeking first the kingdom of God, but let's put some practices in our life, specifically what we're going to dive into today, that can actually make that lifelong journey. So I want to, I want to come out and kind of lay all my cards on the table this weekend. Sometimes as preachers and pastors, we, we like build this thing up and then like drop this bomb at the end to wow our audience. I want to just like lay it all out here. This is my goal this weekend. Here's the goal. To convince you of the life-changing power found in the practice of spending time in God's word. Some of you are already convinced. Praise God. That's what I want to do for the next 25 minutes or so. To convince you of the life-changing power found in the practice 
the practice of spending time in God's word. Why does this matter? Maybe you're on board, maybe you're not. But here's why I hope you lean in today. Here's why this is a very, very big deal in our church, in our world. This is a big deal for Jesus followers. A few reasons. Number one, less and less people, here it comes, there it is, who claim to follow Jesus are spending time in God's word. I don't have time, and it's honestly depressing to look at all the statistics. They do all the studies every year. How many Christians read the Bible? It's just about as many people as follow through with their New Year's resolutions. It's not good. So this is why this matters. Less and less people who claim to follow Jesus are spending time in God's word. That's a tragedy, church. Especially when we have verses in the Bible like Romans 12. Look at what Romans 12, 2 says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Here's what I want you to see. You are being either conformed to the world right now, or you are being transformed by the renewing of your mind, primarily through Scripture. Listen, we are not neutral You are either being conformed, like it or not, shaped, molded by this world. Or you are being transformed by the renewing of your mind as you put your face in this book and beg God to speak. We're not neutral, church. That's why the second reason matters. People who claim to follow Jesus are becoming more and more imitators of the world and ignorant of the Bible. And I know that's harsh and it's kind of depressing, but it's true. We are being conformed or transformed. So listen, if you're not in the word of God being transformed, listen, we're watching the same shows on Netflix. We're scrolling the same feeds. We're watching the same things on our TVs. We are reading the same books. And we're wondering why slowly and slowly the world is looking more like the church and the church more like the world. Because we're not in the word of God being transformed by the renewing of our minds. We are not neutral. Here's the last reason. I hope you just lean in today and you see why this is a very big deal. People who claim to follow Jesus treat the Bible like an ancient token rather than a timeless treasure. What do you mean by that? I mean, come on, man. It's, it's, it's like it's all leather and fancy and the, the pages are gold. And I don't really know what to do with this, Scott. I'm honest, I've never been taught There's lots of weird words I don't know how to pronounce. And so I'm just going to, I know like people put their hands on this at court and usually the guy marrying somebody or at the funeral has it. I know it's important, but I don't know what to do with it. So I'm just going to put it on the shelf, kind of like an ancient token and not realize that it's a timeless treasure that God wants to use in your life right now. And that was my story. Honestly, before I got to Hope Church, I was a Christian when I came to Hope Church, but I was very in my infant stages of being a Jesus follower. And God help, I love this church. And by the way, through this transition, you got to know we are going to continue to preach the word of God because it is our only hope for salvation and hope in Jesus. So I come to Hope Church and I start learning how to read the Bible. I start learning how to abide in Christ daily get my faith in this word and ask God to speak. And I see it slowly change me. But that wasn't my story. I was just like some of you. I'm like, I don't get it. There's like a lot of weird stuff in the Bible. 
do you start at page one or everyone tells me to start in the middle and what kind of book do you start in the middle at? Right? I mean, I, I, I didn't get it, so I just put it on a shelf. And I know that's important, but I don't really understand a treasure that can be in my life. So that's my introduction. And my goal today is to convince you of the life-changing power of the practice of spending time in God's word. So let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, an amazing passage of scripture talking about the supremacy of God's word and how it can affect our lives and some backstory to this that I want to get into. But let's read what it says there in 2 Timothy, starting in verse 14. It says, but as for you, let's pause right there. I won't do this the whole time. What are we talking about here? What story are we entering? Some of you may know this, but the book of 2 Timothy was written by Paul the Apostle, an amazing disciple of Jesus who gets saved in a radical way, starts planting churches and affecting the kingdom of God in a mighty way, writes half the New Testament. And this is actually his last letter that Paul the Apostle penned. He's on his deathbed, so to say. And he is writing this letter, say, what? what's Timothy? What's that about? He's writing this letter to his protege named Timothy. Timothy is a guy that he would have discipled, a young man in the ministry that Paul has poured his life into. And as he is literally on his deathbed, he is crying out to Timothy, here are my last words, Timothy. And I want to give them to you because you're carrying on this ministry. So as for you, he says in verse 14, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. What's he talking about there? We know from other passages of scripture that Timothy was born into a Christian household. Praise God for those who are born into a Christian household. His mother and his grandmother are, are named in the scriptures as people that discipled Timothy from an early age. So what's Paul saying? Praise God, continue to, 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 to go off the foundation that you firmly believed when you were a child. You have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Here we go. Starting to talk about the Bible here. What is the point of the sacred writings? Verse 15 which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. We're going to spend the majority of our time in 16 and 17. Here's what it says. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God, by the way, that also can mean woman of God, that's the, the person of God, may be complete equipped for every good work. Out of this passage of scripture, I want to give us a couple truths. And then at the end, we see a promise, a couple truths and a promise. Two reasons why there is power in the practice of spending time in God's word. Here's the first one. God's word comes from God. There it is. I don't know how long you've been in church. For some of you, that's like, yep, got it. Next slide. Others of you, by the way, we had like 60 first-time guests at Hope Church last weekend. Can we just praise God for that? I mean, that's unbelievable. <laughs> Middle of a pandemic, 60 people come to Hope Church for the first time last weekend. So you may be here from another church or you may be first time ever to church and you see this, this, this sentence right here and you're like, I don't understand that. What do you mean? That's exactly what this scripture says. All scripture is breathed out by God. It's literally a word that means God, God started it. God initiated it. It was breathed out by God. When it says all scripture, it's talking about the Old and the New Testament. 
That, what is this saying? The Bible we hold in our hand, whether you got a hardback one, you got a leather one, it's on your phone and the YouVersion app, that scripture was breathed out, given to us from the God of the universe. You say, well, I thought it was written. You just said Paul wrote it. How does that work? Well, the Bible was written. God used instruments, writing instruments like I use a pen. God used people to write his word and give his word to us. That's why another disciple of Jesus, Peter, wrote in one of his books. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. What's that saying? It's not man's idea. I've heard that, right? The Bible is just a fairy tale, man. People got in a room and they just figured out how to make this cool story. No, no, no. That's impossible. If you read, we don't have time to dive into it. The Bible is the most historically accurate book ever known to man. It's not one inter- man's interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. What does that mean? The Bible you and I hold in our hands. The Bible we scroll with our fingers is the very word of God. So, man, I just kind of wish God spoke to me. Take your pick. He spoke to you. He spoke to us in his word. All scripture is breathed out by God. I mean, let that sink in. You and I every day can stand before a God with a, with a Bible at our cubicle or on our, on our lap at our house with our kids running around. We can sit and say, God, I am opening your very word. Teach me, Lord. I don't know if anyone in here has ever gotten something from somebody they really admire, maybe like a celebrity or something. You got an autograph from somebody. You, you're a big sports fan and your favorite sports hero, you, you won in an auction a jersey that they wore in a game. I know some of you guys have like really expensive sports memorabilia. They wore that helmet. For me, I remember I was 20, I think, years old, and I was at the concert of my favorite band of all time. And that drummer was playing his drums, and I'm just enjoying the the moment, and that drummer broke a stick. Sometimes drummers, they just break sticks. And that drummer grabbed that stick, and he threw it into the crowd. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Sandlot, but it's like that moment where it's just coming at Scotty Smalls, and he puts his hand up like this and turns the other way, and by God's providential grace, I catch that drumstick right here it's a broken drumstick from the one and only Travis Barker okay a few years ago nobody even knew who Travis was and then he starts dating a Kardashian and everyone knows who he is (laughs) praise God Travis Barker's so I catch this and I think oh my living Lord I'm going to get mugged. People are going to track me down for this. Something came from Travis Barker, and I said, this is holy. I'm not, I I don't know what to do with it. I got home. I put it on my mantle in my room. I stared at it. I had a shrine, right? Like, this is Travis Barker's stick. It came from Travis Barker. I know that's silly. But who is Travis Barker? Who is your favorite sports celebrity? Who is that person that you esteem that you got something from in comparison to the God of heaven? 
And we maybe bring his word down when something really bad's going on in our lives. Something that came from God. His very word to us. See, this, this truth that is honestly mind-blowing, that we have God's word, 66 books, thousands of words, Hundreds and hundreds of years of completion over tons of different continents. I mean, this amazing word that has been passed down through generation to generation by the providence of God. And it's just kind of become normal to us. Normal to me, let's be honest. So I was got in the study this week. I'm like, yeah, I don't really see the big deal. I mean, I get it, but like I don't get it every single day of my life. Until you really study. And what's wild just kind of becomes normal. So the reason that there is power, life-changing power found in the practice of spending time in God's word is because God wrote it. And here's what I want us to see, Hope Church. I want us to see every single day you and I have the opportunity to sit with that God. To open it up five minutes before you go into the office. Or maybe to take a retreat and spend a few hours just reading God's very word. Here's the second reason I believe that that this will change your life, and it's that very statement. God's word changes us. Verse 16, all, all scripture is breathed out by God and is, say that out loud, profitable. It's a word that means extremely advantageous, useful, Most people, again, they look at the Bible as this ancient book, not very beneficial for me, not really relevant for me. I don't understand it. The Bible just said it is extremely profitable for us. Another passage of scripture in the book of Hebrews, EJ, when he just prayed at the end of worship there, mentioned this verse. We we say this a lot. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. Sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. What's it saying here? It's getting all the body parts and stuff. It's saying it gets at a level nothing else can get at a level to. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Listen, church, I want us to see and hold this very high. This is not a Harry Potter book right here. This isn't Shakespeare. This isn't the the leading best-selling book. This isn't Atomic Habits. This book just said when you're reading it, it's really reading you. It's getting at a level that nothing else can get to. I mean, think about that. At the innermost, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Think about this. What else does that? My best friend can't do that. My best friend can just observe from the outside what's going on. It's not exposing my innermost thoughts and desires. Your parents can't do that. My my wife can't even do that. She knows me better than anybody on planet earth, but she can't expose my innermost thoughts and desires. The word of God is profitable. It does all this great work inside of us. And then Paul talks about what it does. He gives a progression about how this word does just that. He gives us four ways. First one, God's word teaches us. It's profitable for for teaching. This is a word that means authoritative truth, doctrine, instruction. 
Listen, we may not always like the truth of the Bible, but we know it is the truth of the Bible. And think about it. Everything we just sang, everything we know about God, everything that we proclaim as a church every single time we meet together, we get not based on our own ideas and philosophies, but from the very word of God. It teaches us truth. See, we live in a world, it's hard to come by some truth. I think just in the last couple years, we've seen that. We live in a world like truth is just like relative. Who do you believe? Do you believe like Joe Rogan or do you believe Don Lemon? They're both saying they got the truth. This isn't a political thing. I'm just saying, do you, what's the CDC going to change this week for us in the COVID pandemic? I don't know what Fauci's going to say this week. It seems to always be changed. All my, all, all my politicians, no matter what side of the aisle, by the way, they're constantly flip-flopping. How do I find some anchor in this world that we live in? We have the anchor, and it's the very word of God. So we learn doctrinal truth. All that we believe about God, our doctrine that we hold so dear, we find in God's word, but also practical truth. Listen, I want to be the best husband and father I can possibly be. And I could listen to a bunch of podcasts and read a bunch of books, and that's all good as a supplement. But it's not the main course. I'm getting all that stuff from the word of God. You want to be a better business professional? You want to be a better friend? You want to be a better disciple of Jesus? Get your main course from the Bible, the word of God, which is the truth. It teaches us. It's truth. God's word also does another thing. God's word calls us out. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof. What does that mean? That means it convicts you and convinces you when you're wrong. A lot of times people don't like to read the Bible. They know they're living in some sin. I'm not even going to touch that thing because I know God's going to get me. I know God's going to convict me in his word because that's what he does. He loves you too much to keep you where you are apart from him. And so he's going to convict you to bring you back. We read the Bible sometimes and you know, man, that was for me today. I know I needed that, God. Thank you for calling me out. The Bible speaks poignantly to the things in our lives that don't align with his truth. It's kind of like a scalpel. It's sharp. When you go somewhere and you got to get something cut out that's infected inside of you, the scalpel hurts, but it's getting the infected thing out of you. And so God's word sometimes has to do that. It's got to get at us at a level that hurts. But I love that it doesn't just say it teaches you and it reproves you. Let's go on. What's it say? God's word corrects us. It's profitable for teaching, for calling us out. For correcting us, this is a word that means after you've been knocked down, it sets you back up. It's like those things at the bowling alley. The bowling pins just got knocked down and God's word sets you back up. It's like God saying, I know that hurt when I called you out on that, but I'm setting you back up to the right trajectory because I love you too much to keep you down. Correction. Not this, Scott. It's, it's this. I need to get that out so I can correct you in this way. And then finally, God's word trains us. It's profitable for teaching, doctrine, calling us out, 
setting us right, and then guiding us towards righteousness. That's what that word means for training and righteousness. Training means providing guidance, providing guidance towards righteousness. So God sets the standard for truth. His word is truth. He calls us out when we need it. He corrects us, and then he guides us in the right way. This is why one of the most famous Bible verses is so beautiful. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, because if I do, he's going to correct me. In all your ways, acknowledge him. What does it say? He will make your paths straight. God loves you too much to let you stay out of bounds. Church, here's what I want to try to convince you of. All that we just talked about God's word doing doesn't happen in a 30-minute sermon. I didn't really see the Bible before last week when Pastor Edward preached it, and now I'm back from another dose. What the Bible just said it does doesn't happen in your life without a constant feasting and practice of God and his word. I'm trying to convince you today that if, you're not got, if you don't have your face in this book desperate for God daily, you're missing out on what God has for you. So you can all with all passion and pursuit say, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. And I can't wait week after week, one day a week. Come to church to hear the word of God. Listen, I want you to come to church to hear the word of God, but this is a culmination of what's been happening all week. This is a celebration of a bunch of Jesus followers coming together, filled up with what he's taught us in his word, what he's taught us, what he's rebuked us of, what he's corrected us in, and how he's guiding us. And we come together once a week to lift up the name of Jesus together. But this isn't where we get our main course There's a couple entire chapters of God's word dedicated to just celebrating God's word. Psalm 119, longest chapter in the Bible, all about the beauty of God's word. Psalm 19. Listen to some of the verses in Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect. Talking about the Bible, reviving the soul. Here's this part. I want us to, I want us to put this up against how you and I view the Bible right now. More to be desired than gold, even much fine gold. What did the Bible just say? Do I, Scott Worthington, look at the Bible and hold it higher than my next paycheck? More to be desired, God, I I so desire your word, more than finest gold. Even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. I got to be honest with you, that illustration fell flat on me. I'm not a huge honeycomb fan. But here's what I thought of when I read that. There's nothing like a bunt cake. (laughs) Can I get an amen? I mean, it's like, I don't even know how they make it. If you work at nothing but cakes, don't even tell me because I know it's just terrible, but it's, it just tastes. So, like, I know that's funny, but, God, I want to desire your word more than any amount of money or any material possessions. I, not, not something from your word, just your word. 
I want to look at it more than the best bunk cake I've ever had. I want to look at your word as sweeter than that, God. I want to I look at your word for the treasure that it is. As pastors, honestly, just as Christians, we meet with a lot of people. Let me tell you something. You don't even have to be a pastor. If you're a person who loves Jesus, who's constantly in your word, people are going to see the wisdom of God all over your life, and they're going to come to you and say, I need some help. Hey, man, help me through this situation. So people come to me sometimes and say, man, I, I need help through this situation, or um, I, I'm kind of going through this thing with my girl. Like, I just need your advice on something. Here's what I most of the time, 99% of the time, here's what I do. Whatever the conversation is, here's where I bring it back to. Before we jump into all the stuff, man, tell me about your time in God's word. Sometimes you get a look like, bro, we're not talking about the Bible. We're talking about my problem. But here's what I'm trying to say. If you and I, not that we're not going to have problems, but as you and I treasure God's word as the Holy Spirit breathed out word of God and we understand that it's our source of truth and it corrects us and rebukes us and guides us, man, we're going to be able to make some wise decisions in our lives. We still need some people. So tell me about your time alone with God. That's why a guy named Jerry Bridges said, it is impossible to practice godliness without a constant, consistent and balanced intake of the word of God in our lives. That's just facts, Hope Church. That's why my goal today is to convince you of the life-changing power of the practice of spending time with God. But this, song, this, this verse ends with a promise. Look at verse 17 of this passage. All of this that the man or woman of God may be complete equipped for every good work. What's this talking about? This is talking about maturity in Christ. The Bible paints this beautiful picture that you and I, when we, we are born again into salvation, we literally are babies in Christ. But the Bible shows us that as we mature, as practice makes progress, we mature towards adulthood, towards maturity, just like we naturally do as humans. The problem is there's many, many Christians that have been babies in the faith forever. Paul is saying to Timothy, here's why God's word does this, that the man or woman of God may mature, may look more and more like Jesus every single day, every week, every month, every year because of their time alone in the scripture that's inspired by God. It's maturity. It's, it's what it says in verse 15, making you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. So that's the, the cycle Spend time in God's word. It does all those things in my life. And what does that do? That draws me back to my relationship with God. And I want to spend more time with him because I'm growing in him and I'm seeing him change me. I'm seeing him affect my life. I'm seeing the wisdom that he promises me play out in my life. So let's land the plane. How do we apply this? What's the invitation on the table? This is a big one. I'm a, maybe you got to get something to write it down. Maybe you got to take a picture of the screen. Here is what I want us to do. Ready? Read your Bible. Oh, come on, Scott. Give us more than that. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 didn't give us more than that. Read 
your Bible. Like, it's that simple. Every day I say, God, here I am. I'm tired, but I'm opening up the book of Mark. I'm opening up a psalm. I don't got much time, God, so I'm flipping open a, a version devotional. I'm just going to get a little snack today. It's not going to be a full feast. It's a snack. Verse of the day, let's go. Just as we close, here's some common excuses. I've made these. You probably have too. I don't have time. I hear what you're saying. I know it's profitable. Man, you don't know my life. I'm running a business. I got a family. I, I, I just don't have time. Here's, here's my encouragement to you. If you're brave enough, take your iPhone. If you have an Android, I'll pray for you. <clears throat> take your iPhone, open the settings, and hit that pesky little button that says screen time. Don't do it if you're not ready. <laughs> I couldn't believe when I clicked that button how much time I spent on Instagram. Anybody else? Just me. Okay. I don't have time to read your word, but I spent two hours today scrolling other people's lives. My encouragement there would be you, you will make time for what's important to you. If you're really stuck, ask your family. Your family can show you where you got some time. Talk to guys, and I don't have time, Scott, but they know every single thing that Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp said about that game on Sunday. It's not bad, but don't tell me you don't have time for God's word in your life that's going to change you. Maybe you say, I can't understand. It's just, it, we said it earlier, it's too confusing, Scott. There's a lot there. Listen, we live in the most Bible resource time in the history of the world. What people used to spend thousands of dollars in a library for, you have in the YouVersion Bible app. You can go online and you can find a plethora of resources to help you understand. Listen, it's not that you don't understand it. It's that you're not trying to understand it. I don't understand. I'll just move on. Time, I'm going to put it on the shelf like an ancient token. I don't, I don't want to go there. Again, I've heard these excuses. I've said these excuses. Maybe somebody says, I, don't, I just don't read. I'm just not a reader. Just as we close, I want to share a story of my friend. He's been going to Hope for years and years and years. He's got a brilliant name. His name is Scott. It's not me. It's my friend Scott. Goes to Hope for the last 15 years. He's got a pretty rough life. He meets Jesus here at Hope Church begins to get disciple, and the people start telling, hey, Scott, spend time in God's word. But see, Scott's got a problem because Scott grew up in the construction world, rough life. Scott is honestly at a third grade reading level. He doesn't really read. So this man opens his Bible. And I asked him this week if I could tell this story. He'll be at our 830 service on Sunday. And he literally said, God, I don't really know how to read. But I see the value in the fact that you have written a book that will change me. So would you teach me how to read as I read the Bible? Ten years later, Scott will sit right there at the 830 service, Bible open, and this man is leading people to Jesus. He has been changed by the grace of God, and he said, I can't read. 
You'll read if you find it valuable enough to read what you're reading. If I gave you a book and said, if you read that book, you'll make a million dollars next year. Everyone just became a reader. A.W. Tozer, coming in hot like he always does. Whatever keeps you, keeps me from my Bible is my enemy. However harmless it may appear to me. You and I are not neutral, Hope Church, in this life. Every human being is either being conformed into this world or transformed by the renewing of our minds as we spend time in God's word. Just as we close today, maybe you're here and you're not a believer in Jesus. You're here and and you don't really understand all this Jesus stuff. Here's the invitation. The very word of God that we just talked about, it tells a beautiful story of redemption. It tells a story that you and I were born into this world sinful, born into this world separated from a relationship with God. This is all in his word. But Jesus saw us in our state and stepped into the world he created so that you and I could be made right with God. He died on a cross for your sin in your place. The Bible tells this story. You can read it in the first four books of the New Testament. It's the story of the gospel that he didn't just die, but he rose again to prove that the penalty had been paid for and he was victorious over death. And now you and I can have a friendship with God, a literal relationship where you encounter the God of the universe every day like a friend through his word with his people. Maybe today... Today, your invitation is what we sang about. The living word of God is Jesus. We don't worship the Bible. We worship the God of the Bible, and he made a way for you to salvation. And we read about that in his word. So maybe for you, your response is to to come down here in just a moment when we are singing this last song. And, man, you just want to tell somebody, I I think I want a relationship with Jesus. If, If that's true, if God really did that for me, I want to walk with him. For those of you that are in the room and are believers, again, my my plea is simple. If you are somebody that doesn't actively practice spending time in God's word, I would implore you, repent and get your face in the book of God because it will change you. I used to not read it, didn't understand it. Started coming to Hope Church and learning about how powerful the God, God's word is. So I started reading it. You don't have to read a whole chapter, read a few verses. Say, God, you've already spoken in your word. I'm asking you now to use your inspired word to speak to me this morning. And he'll change you step by step. Practice makes progress. So that's the call for us as believers. Spend time in God's word. As you seek first the kingdom of God, that's our posture. What should our practice be? Get in the word of God. Trust him as you pray the word of God, as you sing the word of God, as you live out the word of God. Let's pray together today. God, I pray right now for every person in the room, no matter where they fall, for people who are interested in a relationship with God, would you right now, Holy Spirit, would you capture their hearts, gently whisper to them right now that they have been created for a relationship with you, God. 
God, I pray for the believer right now who has fallen under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Understanding, man, I'm missing out on a timeless treasure. Thank you for your loving hand. Not your forceful hand, your loving, gentle reminder that you wrote a book. And you want to use that book to change our lives. So draw us, Lord. The kindness of God leads us to repentance. Thank you for the kindness that is in Scripture, Lord. Pray as we respond right now, as people need prayer for things in their lives, Lord, would you just move, Holy Spirit. When you move, we fall on our knees. We ask you to move. We ask you to work. Do this for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name.